here know that's when we're going to have that conversation. Uh, but no, this was just such a great night last night, and I am really, really looking forward to what we have this morning. We're going to adjust the schedule a little bit. And you, if you know Docs, if you've been with us very long, you know that our schedules are made to be broken, right? Like, it's just, it's just a guideline, and we're a young church, and we have to make adjustments. So we're going to go right into this first session. We're going to have our brunch. Chick-fil-A will be delivered right after that. Then we're going to go directly into session two, and then we'll have a Q&A time. That's, that's what you said, right? Yeah. I think it's going to work great. And I think we should just open up in a word of prayer as we begin. God, we are so grateful for this couple who is just sold out to you. And they are taking their time to fly all the way down here and, and just share the word with us. Share their experience. Open up your word. And Lord, may, may you show us things that maybe we haven't really ever seen before. Uh, use your Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us, open our eyes, and may we all in this room just walk out of here, um, your vessels who are ready not only to be shaped by, by our spouse, but vessels that are ready to shape our children for the next, for the next phase of life and, and for them to carry on the truth that we know to be true, to bring glory to you. Bless this time now, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can you guys, you can see me, I know you're right there. This is the spit zone. Okay, I'll try to behave, I'll try to behave. <laughs> hey, so, um, oh, first of all, it's, it's so fun to be down in South Carolina. We've, my wife and I, we were down in South Carolina once. We were in Hilton Head, and this is a little different. Um, but this is the heartland. Come on, you gotta have, you gotta come and see South Carolina as it really is. So uh, it's fun, especially to get a little reprieve from the cold weather. Because when we left, it was like 17 and blowing wind, and it was freezing, and we were trying to shed our big coats so that we didn't have to have them down here. So we were jumping around and keeping moving and trying to stay warm before the bus showed up to take us to the airport. It was cold. Oh my goodness. But so good to be down here. Um, you guys, you guys are so privileged to have David and Julie as your pastor and wife. It, it's amazing. Um, it takes quite a bit of, of dedication to um, plant a church. I don't know if you know that, but to carve a new path and to all the energy when you're, you're not only preaching, but you're doing a lot of things. Uh, you're not only, you know, both David and Julia, it's a lot. And they have a sweet thing going here, and you guys are very sweet. I can just tell the fellowship is really awesome here. And this is what creates a family and an experience that people want to be a part of, you know. As you guys are growing and people are coming on board, I mean, this is what people are looking for. They really are, where the word is preached clearly and accurately, and also just, just the personality of David and Julie as it comes out of their teaching and their life, that pervades through the church, and you guys have been attracted to that, but also you're part of it, and you're, uh, you're a part of creating that atmosphere that will be attractive for other people. Because we want people to be changed by God's word. 
want them to be changed by God's word. They want their lives transformed. And so Doxa Church, the glorious church, that's what it means, right? Doxa, glory. So you guys are the glorious church. May it be more glorious and more glorious, huh? Um, yeah, good, good stuff. Hey, I want to know who I'm talking to. So parents, you guys are parents, but how old are your kids? Who has, anybody have teenagers? No one has teenagers. Okay, we're not going to talk about teenagers. <laughs> you do? Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, even the principles we're talking about going into the teen years, they all start early on. And you, I want you to know some of the things as you're going to be moving into those uh, eras in time. Um, it's almost like this. Whatever you want to see uh, in your kids at 18, it starts like two years old, three years old, four years old. What you're doing at that stage has a trajectory. So if you want your kids to be really kind and sharing and things like that when they're 18, well, guess what you've got to be doing when they're two, three, and four? Um, all of that sets the pattern, you know. Um, but anyway, I, I, we will be talking about um, just a little bit of principles that way too. And I'm going to have my wife come up at the end, um, not for um, dialogue or things like that, but there's a section, real practical section that I want her up here because she's got so much wisdom. She's the one that, uh, you know, for us, <clears throat> she stayed at home with the kids as I was away. So she did a lot of the training while I was at work. When I came home, I just, we covenanted that when I walked through the door, um, it was my turn to take over, um, especially the discipline part. <laughs> because she was worn out by the whole day. And uh, I gladly took that up. So anyway, let's talk about parenting, huh? Let's talk about um, godly legacy. Because not only your kids, but your kids' kids. Can you look that far down? Some of you, it's, you're the first generation of Christians, perhaps. And you're, gonna, you're like, I feel like I'm... Uh, you know, I don't have a leg to stand on because I didn't have parents that really showed me those kind of things. Listen, God is going to use you. God's going to use you, and you're going to start a godly legacy in your home and the coming generations. Because is there anything more important than our soul, than communicating that to our kids? Is there anything more important to secure your children and their eternal destiny? And it's not as complicated as you think. Because, you know, there's a lot of, okay, techniques, there's a lot of practical, what do you do in this situation when you get there, but I don't want to make it more complicated than it is. It, whatever is important to you, whatever you make time for, whatever you talk about will be important to them. So, the thing is... Keep the faith alive. These are my two points. Keep the faith alive and pass the faith along. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll turn in the Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. Let me read it for us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be in the frontlets between your eyes. Between your eyes, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I mean, the Israelites actually take, took this literally, and you see some of these strict um, um, Jews. They'll put they're called phylacteries. They'll put it on their forehead and on their uh, forearms just to keep it in front of them. And it has this verse: um, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one." But it's a little more practical than that. It's not sticking it on your forehead or putting it on your wrist. It needs to be worked into your life like, like lotion, just working it all through your hands and all through your lifestyle. Um, you know, what is it in your life that you're passionate about? What is being passed to your kids? What are they picking up? Because it's, there's things that you say which are important, but the lifestyle that you live and the way you go about things is passing something to your kids. What would that be? What would they say you're passionate about? Oh, Dad's really passionate about Clemson. I don't know. Um, Mom can't stop talking about. And what is that? Because that's what they will remember. You don't have to be a perfect parent and have perfect skills, but the most basic parenting principle is this, keep your faith alive and pass your faith along. Now the entire book of Deuteronomy, and we just read Deuteronomy 6, uh, the people of Israel on the border of the promised land, and it's the second time around, right? Uh, they were rescued out of slavery and promised the land, but their parents would not trust the Lord. And so because of their disobedience and their lack of trust, God said, you're going to die in the wilderness, Forty years later, here they are, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, which is the second law. It's the second giving of the law, um, and it's the last message of Moses to them. And he says, keep the faith alive, pass the faith along. Because the survival of the nation depends upon it, and I would say the survival of the church depends upon it. You know that your family, the way you direct it, has a direct effect to the church. If the church is going to survive in a world that's getting harder and harder, it happens in the home. You are creating individuals by the power of the Spirit who will love Jesus and care about what you're passionate about or won't, or they'll be passionate, well, they will be passionate about what you're passionate about. So it's really important because within 150 years of this sermon that Moses wrote. The faith nearly extinguished. Because in the book of Judges, the epitaph over that whole generation is everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's what happened in 150 years. Because this didn't continue to go on. And it doesn't even require sinful actions for the baton to be dropped. Just neglect. Get busy. Get preoccupied with stresses at work or friends or extended family or doing this and that. And passing the faith is down at the bottom of the to-do list. It's not complicated. 
And I don't want this to be an anchor around your neck because I think most moms feel a low-grade guilt all the time that they're not doing a great job, or maybe fathers too. And who can stand up and say that they're a great parent? I don't, there's no one. Betsy and I didn't say that. <laughs> we were doing our best. And we were getting on our knees and saying, Lord, help us. So let me try to summarize Moses' best parenting advice. Keep the faith alive, pass the faith along. First, let's look at it. Keep the faith alive. It's the single most, great, most important thing you'll ever do for your kids. Your children want to see it alive in you. Because they're not moved by what you're obligated to do. Um, they don't care to keep up family traditions. They don't care what your friends think of them. This is all going to come out in the teen years. They don't care. But they do care if you care about these things. I mean, really care about these things. If they're just an obligation, it's not going to pass. Passions pass. It's, um, if it's not a passion within you, they will not care because the lack of passion betrays what you really think about it. Um, so verse 5, it says, It shall be on your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. What does heart mean? Well, it's the entire inner self. It's kind of like the mission control center of your life. That's what it means, heart. Because in Exodus 7.14, you can have a hardened heart. And Proverbs 16.23, you can have a wise heart. It's, it's, again, the mission control center of your life. But love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul. Genesis 2-7, God's life breath is what was pushed into um, uh, Adam and Eve. And that then they became a living soul. So, heart speaks of the mind. Soul speaks of the will, the directing of your appetites. And there is a lot of overlap. I think what Moses is doing is just kind of stacking up his words for emphasis Love your God. The love of God should consume the whole self. And then it says, with all your might, which is just an intensifier. So love the Lord your God with all your mind, will, emotions, with passion. You know, you hear it into the New Testament. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Choose this day whom you will serve. You know, the end of, uh, what was it, uh, Joshua 24. Because you can't pass what is not a passion. If you don't care about it much, your children won't either. Because they catch fire. So let's talk about that. What will be your passion? And maybe it's too early to say these things, but I'm just going to get them out there because this is where how parents will how parents go. Academic achievement. You know, your family might be um, achievers in the academic area. You want them to go to great colleges, you want them to get great grades, and all that's good. Um, but if they see you exercised about grades, but not about their walk with the Lord, that is going to pass to them. You know how it comes out in the uh, teen years? It's, uh, 
Usually youth ministries are on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights have a lot of competition with sports, and then if you go, then you have to do all your homework after, which keeps the kids up, our kids, up to about 11 o'clock at night. But it was important to us, not because I was a pastor, but I knew that when they go to college, whatever was a passion on, on, upon me was going to pass to them. And if I thought that academics were more important than their spiritual input, that's not lost on them. So when they go to college, church is not the biggest thing. It's the grades. Now, where did they get that? They got that through the years that you trained them in the home. They know which things push away for the most important things. And what is that? Is it grades, sports, theater? You know, what about Christ's kingdom and its advance? Um, do they see you pray? Even at the youngest age, do they see you pray? Do you help them pray? You hold their hands. Dear Jesus, dear, it's be, you know, you know, the earliest is um, when you're teaching your kids how to pray is they repeat after you, right? So we get them down. I, um, Lord, um, help me to obey mom and dad. Help me to obey mom and dad. You know, you're saying these things, but do they see that? Do they see you serving in the church? Because you're not going to pass what is not a passion to you. I will not be able to get my kids, now I'm saying this personally, I'm not going to get my kids fired up for theater because they didn't see it in me. <laughs> or bowling. They're not going to get fired up for bowling. Or playing the organ. They, I love to sing. Maybe they like to sing or play music now, but... What I'm, I'm trying to say is, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm actually trying to do the opposite. I want to show that the single most important thing you will do as a parent is keep your faith alive. Keep it alive. It's connected to parenting. Because that will, that will make you someone they want to follow. You will beckon them to be just like you doesn't have to be sophisticated. Just set your heart on fire for God. Read your Bible and set a time to pray. You know, it goes back to the basics. Repent of sin. You don't have to be perfect. But they ought to see you repent of sin. You ought to come back sometime and say, you know what? Dad was wrong when he raised his voice to your mom. That was sinful. And um, so please forgive me. I don't want to be like that. That goes so far. When you confess sin aloud in a group, it doesn't diminish your influence. It increases it. It inspires hunger and humility that's attractive to your kids. There's a lot of things my dad did wrong, but one thing he did right, he would come back and ask forgiveness. And I wanted to give it to him every time, no matter what he did. And... Uh, I was mad at him so many times for the way he treated mom, but the way he came back and at least admitted and owned his sin, it just made me want to keep loving him. So don't be pulled away from the simplicity of loving God. So keep the faith alive. Secondly, pass the faith along. Again, these are basics, and then I'm going to have my wife get up here, and we're going to talk about it practically, okay? Pass the faith along. Passions pass. Pressing the truth into the lives of others. Showing them how to think about the world around them. 
how all of life is to be shaped by the truth and teaching them. Okay, so Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, you know it. Go therefore and disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. There's the mentoring. There's the parenting. There's the discipleship piece. Actually, all of that. From witnessing <laughs> to completing them is discipleship. That's another message. Um, but too many, too many churches, and I think too many families, act as though the decision for Christ is everything. The sinner's prayer. Just say the sinner's prayer, and you're good. A guarantee. Mission accomplished. It's in the bag. So then they walk away, but then your kids walk away from the faith because it was just stuck on. It was just pasted on. It wasn't internalized into their heart. So all my kids, when they were young, um, we didn't push them to pray the sinner's prayer because kids want to please mom and dad, at least the younger years. Okay? They want your uh, approval. So if you say, um, you need to pray this prayer, well, they want to pray this prayer. But are they ready to pray this prayer? Probably not. So what we did, we always laid out the pieces of the gospel all the time. We were talking about what was sin, what was dishonoring to God, and how they reconciled to God, and we put the pieces always before them, and then at some point, they, they said, you know, Dad, I want to I wanna receive Christ. Or they said it to Mom, and they knelt down, and we prayed with them. But it was never in the bag, settled, they're saved, don't tell me that the, my kids are not saved, you know, we never defended our kids. Because I wanted to see how, that was, how it was being lived out. Um, I needed to see evidence of faith and repentance, even after that. And discipleship is helping them counsel their own soul through discouragements, failures, successes. It's like, so the questions would be like, um, what are you sad or mad about? You know, these are the questions. We'll get into those. Questions that draw them out. Draw their soul. When I say soul, so many people don't know what I mean when I say directing or managing your own soul. Because they don't know their own soul. I, I'm saying you need, to, you need to understand your own soul, parents, of motivations that drive you. You know, when you're sad, when you're mad, when you're, you know, why? Why is a good question. You need to search your, I would say, soul for those questions because they could be motivated in, out of wrong motivations. And you won't see that in your kids unless you see it in your own heart so that you can be the doctor of their soul and help them, help them out. Those are the questions. Help them internalize what they hear. You think they see the applications at church when they get a little older and they can hear the messages, but they don't always. Um, they won't see the connections to their life situation from God's word to their life situations unless you help them. You think they will, they won't. Um, so whatever your kids are learning, this is probably the practical one, whatever your kids are learning in the kids' ministry, Talk about it. Talk about it. What did you learn? 
That's the easiest question, right? What do you think about that? You know, just all these questions, just to draw them out, because what that will do is get them to think about the truth that was presented to them, and the basic things, right? Um, just think about teaching as like a glob of, of hand lotion. You know, if you just put a glob on the back of your hand, you go, okay, that's good. Your hands are still going to be dry. What you got to do is to work it in. So all the teaching that your children are learning at church or whatever it is, like even a book that you read them, work it in. Work it in like lotion. Verse uh, 7 through 9, talking about, talk about it when you're on the way, when you sit down, when you rise up on the doorposts. It's, you know, our, uh, our life group at one time, we were going through uh, Paul Tripp's teaching on parenting and encouraged families to view their, their families like theological communities. And you're going, what? We don't know theology. What, what are we talking about? Theological communities. Basically, he meant continually studying God and making all the connections to God. That's what he meant by that. So it's a schoolhouse 24-7. Because you're always talking. Now, the next conversation, actually, the next message is called Continual Conversations. Because that's what it means in your house. And <coughs> Moses it says, when you sit down, when you walk by the way, rise up, you continually narrate the world for your kids. So mom, when you're driving around in your minivan, narrate the world to them. Narrate, point out the things that they ought to be seeing that's amazing, that God has done. Like that tree, you look at the tree, look at the sunshine coming through that tree. Do you see that, Caleb? Isn't that awesome? Awesome God. You know, you're pointing things out like that all the way. It says, bind them <clears throat> as a, they, they bound them as a sign on your hand and frontlets between your eyes. It's basically taking in all of life and you're pointing it out. Pass the faith along. Talk about what God thinks and says about situations that they face. And this goes a little bit further down the road, but talk about how relationships should honor God uh, with their brothers and sisters. Oh boy, that's like every day. And there was like, <laughs> but you know what? You're going to give them such a leg up if they can learn how to conflict resolution. Be good at that because all of life is conflict resolution. And some people are crippled because they never saw it in the home played out. Is if, if they, you know, it's, um, Ephesians 4.32 was one of those verses that we went to. It was a workhorse for us in the home. It says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Were you kind? No. Were you tender? No. You need to ask, ask forgiveness for what you did. Because uh, just as God in Christ has forgiven you, and we worked that into their heart, got a lot of mileage in our home. So show, that, show them that everything we do, we do for the glory of God. It's all upward. It's not just because we, we, we showed mom and dad badly in a bad light in front of our friends um, or that you should behave or you shouldn't be annoying to mom and dad. No, it's you, have, you have 
dishonored God. It has to go all the way up. Because sometimes your correction is just, you're annoying to me. That won't fly later on. It has to be connected to God or else it has no strength and teeth. It might now because you're kind of threatening. But when they get to be a teenager, that won't really move anything. won't move the needle. Especially if you're a, a smaller mom and you've got a towering teenager. Um, <clears throat> And then when they get to teenagers, like these are the things, these are how you work the lotion, meaning the teaching of scripture into all of life. When they come and they say, no one likes me. Everyone thinks I'm stupid, fat, didn't make the team. No one asked me to the prom, all these things. It's a crisis in their life, and it is the biggest crisis. And for you in that moment to say, ah, that's nothing. That happened to me, and you start your own story. No, that's not, a, that's not a great parenting moment then. Um, these are perfect opportunities to connect what they know about God to their current situation. Oh, those are great moments. You don't want to miss them. How they think about themselves and what they do when others don't approve them, oh, you, you really want to get into that and draw it out and then love them, listen to them, and apply scripture to that. Um, basic conflicts and situations when they are young provided a, a foundation to build upon into the teenager years. And I love the teenager years with my kids. I love them. Because you could have adult-sized conversations now in worlds that were, you know, complex for them. And yet... I knew that I was shaping them for life. That's probably the most exciting thing. So remember, your kids in the house are not ultimately yours. They are the Lord's. You'll be giving them back. So train them. Train them. Take time to pass the faith along. There's nothing more important to this. Nothing more important than this. So don't miss that. It's, I know it's overwhelming at times. It doesn't seem fair at times, especially when you're crushed you know, the funny thing is, you know, you have responsibilities at work. You have responsibilities in the home. Then you have responsibilities at church. Then you something, crisis happens in your extended family. And there's a crushing weight upon you. And then the kids think that, you know, you should meet their every whim and need. But those moments, <laughs> don't miss them. Don't miss them. They're the most important thing. Keep your faith alive and pass your faith along. <clears throat> I would just say, take courage from Moses. If you feel like, I'm inadequate, I'm a terrible parent, I, uh, you know, I have a terrible, um, um, you know, I get angry too, too quickly, I yell too much. Take some courage from Moses who thought he was woefully inadequate for the task. You remember the dialogue with the burning bush? No way. You got the wrong guy. There's no way I'm going to go back and be the leader out of Egypt. And the Lord said, what do you got in your hand? I got a staff, but what good is that going to do? You know, and that's the way we feel so much. I wish I was like Sally. I mean, look at the way she, her kids are all in line and my kids are, you know, tearing up the couch and throwing furniture everywhere. 
God has gifted you a certain way, and he called you to be a parent. You're not a perfect parent. Neither any of us, neither of us are. But the Lord has put you in that place. <clears throat> you could say, well, I, had a, I grew up in a terrible home. My father was harsh. My mother was disengaged. I received no discipline. I have no pattern to follow. And here I am. But you know what? God knew that when he put you in that marriage. He knew that when he gave you that child and he asked you to parent. He knows all that. He's going to supply all your needs according to his riches. We all feel out of our league. But you know, if you won't teach them, someone else will. That's the bottom line. And you don't want someone else to teach them. And we all know our Bible enough to know that weakness is what God uses. Hello, hear me. Weakness is what God uses because it puts us on our knees and makes us like, okay, Lord, I need your, yeah, you need my help. You've always needed my help. Anyway. This is a sweet, uh, sweet fellowship here. And I would even suggest that Parenting can be so personal and um, that you don't want to look stupid, so you don't talk about it, but this is a good place to talk about it and help each other. Um, talk to Julie and David about it. That would be a good resource. And uh, just make it something that's uh, just kind of like a workshop. We're all in it together kind of thing. Anyway, let's, uh, let's end there. Keep your faith alive and then pass it along. We'll get into more detail in the next one.